Welcome to the sermon podcast of Cedar Springs Presbyterian Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Our mission is to respond to God's love by following Jesus and loving God, loving one another, and serving the world. If you're in Knoxville, we'd love for you to join us in person. In the meantime, enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, friends, good morning and welcome again. My name is James Forsyth. I'm the senior pastor here and a happy new year to you all. We, uh, we enjoyed our first Christmas in Knoxville, a white Christmas. Uh, we will be expecting that every year from now on. A hundred percent of our Christmases in Knoxville have been a white Christmas. So uh, yeah, we're, we, have, we have high hopes for future, for future years, but really good to be back with you this morning. Lovely to see you all. For those of you who are joining us online, welcome again. 2021 is going to be the year that you are able to be back with us in worship, and we look forward as soon as you are ready and comfortable to, to being together as a family in this place. Before we turn and give our attention to God's word, let's bow our heads together and pray. Father, it is good for us to be together today. And I pray, Lord, that through all that takes place in this time of worship, the songs that are sung, the prayers that are prayed, the scriptures that are read, the word that is, is spoken, that through all these things, we would, we would meet with you and therefore leave knowing that it was good for us to have, to have been here. We pray that you would come and give us attentive hearts, give us keen minds, give us your spirit, that we might understand from your word more of your great love toward us and its implications for our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as Andrew mentioned, we're starting a new series today. We're going to spend the next eight weeks in the book of Psalms uh, doing a series called Searching Psalms. So during our search for the, the next senior pastor, the search team selected seven different Psalms and committed to praying through uh, one of them each day of the week. And they invited many of our church to, to join them in that process. And then when my family and I started to go through a period of discernment regarding our own call to Cedar Springs, we started to, to pray through these Psalms as well. And that just got me wondering, um, why did God have so many of us in these Psalms? What was he working in us that he knew we would need in this next season? So we have a God who is, who is sovereign, a God who is in control, and that means a God who is always a step ahead. <laughs> a God who is always a step ahead, ahead of us. And what we're trying to do is keep in step with his spirit, Lord. Why did you have us in these? What is it you would have for us in these texts? How are they to shape and form us that we might be ready for this next season together? And so over the next few weeks, we're going to take uh, one of the Psalms each week, Psalms 123, 46, 62, 130, 131, 133. Uh, look at one each week and see what it is the Lord is up to in our midst. But today, before we get into that, we got an introduction. The last sermon I preached as part of a series was a sermon on the entire book of Hebrews. Well, guess what you're getting today? A sermon on the entire book of Psalms. Why? Why, why, are, we, why are we doing this? Well, really, to lay a foundation. See, often when we come to, to the Psalms, we approach it as if it's this long random playlist that you might as well put on shuffle. 
where actually there's, there's more purpose, there's more design to the book of Psalms than, than that. And my hope is that if we can understand the whole together, we'll be better equipped to understand some of, of, of the parts. And so we're going to lay the foundation today and hang with me because on one sense, you know, as you're, as you're pastoring a people, as you're trying to feed them from, from the word, there are, there are weeks like this that are kind of meat and potatoes weeks. But you know what? I love meat. And I love me some potatoes. <laughs> and I believe that there's good things for us even as we lay this foundation Together. So what's the book of Psalms about as a whole? I'm going to draw from the work of a scholar called Tim Mackey. You can check out his work at bibleproject.com. And drawing on his work, I'm going to try and give you a one-sentence summary to get our arms around all 150 Psalms. A one-sentence summary, but to get to that one-sentence summary, we need to look at the number two and the number six. Two, six, one. That's our sermon for today. It's not very catchy. Uh, but it's very functional. I tried to find if there was some like teaching way to make 261 memorable, and there really isn't. The closest, you know, it's the area code for Madagascar, but that's not really helping us, is it, right? So it's a functional outline. We're laying a foundation. We're eating our meat and our potatoes. Let's start with the number two and look at the two themes we find in the book of Psalms. When you look at this book, it has more chapters than any other of the Bible, 150 of them, but it starts with an introduction and later we'll see it has a conclusion. And the first two Psalms serve as the introduction to the entire book. And in them, we're introduced to the two main themes that are going to weave their way throughout the entire Psalter. Two main refrains that, like like a musical, we're going to hear these refrains coming up again and again and again. Theme one is introduced to us in Psalm 1, and that is the theme of God's law. God's law. Blessed is the man, happy is the man who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on God's law day and night. We think, does it it sound strange to delight in the law, to meditate on it day and night? Like, I don't think any of us are thinking like, oh, the IRS tax code. I love that thing. I think about it day and night. Like, isn't it strange to to delight in in law? Well, we need to remember that, that God's law is not like the tax code. God's law isn't a long, complicated, slightly oppressive list of rules and and regulations. God's law is is actually um, a picture of his own heart. To to read the law of God is to get an understanding of, of of what God is like. It reveals his character to us. And therefore, to obey the law is is to live in the image of God, is to be like our our God. That's why the psalmist delights in the law, because he knows that to to follow it is to be like God, to live a big, full, vibrant life, to, to flourish as we live in accordance with God's good design for us. And so this theme of, of law, this theme of, of how we can live a life that will be a, a blessing and a flourishing to, to us and to others weaves its way throughout this book. Psalm 15, for example, is going to call us to be faithful to God's law. Psalm 19 is going to praise God for the beauty of his law. 
Psalm 119, which is the longest chapter in the Bible by far, is going to make reference to God's law in one way or another in every single verse and extol the the beauty and the the health that's found in in following it. So what's the theme? That's the, the, sorry, what's this book about? Theme one, God's law, the pattern for our flourishing. Theme two, introduced to us in Psalm 2, and that's the theme of God's Messiah. God's Messiah. Now listen, when I say Messiah, I want you to hear Jesus. That's what, that's what the term means. The word Messiah is, it means anointed one. It's the word the Old Testament often uses to look forward to the Savior who was to come, the Savior we call Jesus. Whenever you see that word throughout the scriptures and especially in the Psalms, see Messiah, see Jesus. And Psalm 2, that was read for us earlier, is all about Jesus, about the Savior who will come to defeat all evil and wickedness. Don't you want it? want a savior who's going to do that about a savior who's going to establish a reign of righteousness and peace upon the earth. And so the Psalm ends with the phrase verse 12 of Psalm two, where it says, blessed are all who take refuge in him. Psalm one verse one tells us blessed is the man who meditates on the law. Now verse 12 of Psalm two, the last verse of Psalm two tells us blessed are all who take refuge in the Messiah. These are the two themes. This is what the book of Psalms is about. God's law and the Messiah. If we want to live a blessed, full, happy life, a life that we don't look back on with regret, then we're to follow God's law as we take refuge in Jesus. And you see how gospelly that is? The Psalms are saying, hey, take refuge in Jesus and, and, and this is how you follow him as you do. This is the pattern that we've been given for our lives. They're pointing us to Jesus and showing us how to live as we take refuge in him. So that's the number two, law and Messiah. Now we want to see how these two themes in the book of Psalms play out across six different genres. Just means six different categories, six different types of Psalms. Because the Psalms can be divided into to genres or, or categories, much like, much like movies can be. You have action movies, you have comedies, you have horror movies, you have sci-fi, you have different types of movie. Well, in the same way, you have different types of Psalm. Now, how many different types there are kind of depends upon who you ask, because you can always like subcategorize further. So, you know, in movies you have, you have comedies, but then you also have romantic comedies. Are those two different types? Or are they one of the same type? We could have a conversation about that. The same thing goes on in the Psalms. But for our purposes in this series, I want us to see six different types, six, six different genre of Psalms. First type of Psalm is the lament Psalm. The lament Psalm. These Psalms are dark. They are angry. They are full of pain and confusion. Sometimes the psalmist is upset with his own thoughts, with his own actions. Sometimes he's angry with the thoughts and actions of other people. Sometimes in a way that makes most Presbyterians really uncomfortable, he is frustrated and angry with with God himself. Psalms of lament draw attention to what's wrong with the world and ask 
God to do something about it. That's the psalm of lament. They draw attention to what's wrong with our world, and they ask God to do something about it, which means we read psalms like these on weeks like these. After the events of Wednesday, we lament. You know, I spent a dozen or so years in that area before I moved here, so I lament for my friends whose jobs involve walking those corridors every day. I lament for our nation and the division and the violence that we see in it. I lament the character of our president. I lament the character of our other elected leaders. Perhaps most of all, perhaps most galling of all to me, I I lament the fact that some of this was done in the name of Christ. That there's been such confusion in the church over the kingdom of God and the nation state of America that some people would do things like this in the name of Christ. We want to be very, very clear that there was nothing Christian about what happened this week. We lament. We say, Lord, this is not the way it's meant to be. Have mercy. Come, Lord Jesus. That's lament. After lament, a second type of psalm are psalms of thanksgiving. Now, these are the equal but opposite psalms to the psalms of lament. They are psalms of praise where the psalmist thanks the Lord for answered prayer. They're often written in response to a lament. So when you read these psalms, the first half is is very sad. Upset, complaining, groaning about something that has taken place. And then at the halfway point, there's a turn. And the second half of the psalm is really happy. Celebrating over how the Lord saw this conundrum, saw this anger, saw this injustice, and acted to make things right. Thanksgiving psalms draw attention to what God has done in our lives and thank him for it. Third type of psalm is the confidence psalm. And these are great psalms and again, great psalms for us in a week like this. Why? Because these are the psalms that are written between lament and thanksgiving. So the psalmist is able to see what's wrong in the world. He isn't yet at the point where he can give thanks for how God has addressed it, but he's confident that he will. He's confident that, that he, he will. He has a, a certainty that God will act. So while these psalms are written from a place of, of agony, they are confident that deliverance will still come. Confident psalms draw attention to how trustworthy God is, even when we're not sure how things are going to work out. How trustworthy God is, even when we're not sure how things are going to work out. Fourth category, fourth type of psalm are remembrance psalms. These are the psalms that you read that seem to tell and retell large sections of of Israel's history. Sometimes as you read your way through the psalms, you get to these confusing bits because they seem to be recounting long narratives for various bizarre things happened with various kings whose names are are hard to pronounce. And you think, why is the, the author retelling the story of Israel's history? Well, the reason he's retelling the story is to remind the people of what God has done for them in the past, that they might be hopeful of what God will do for them in the future. Lord, remember how you showed up in this way, that way, and the next way. We'd be foolish to believe that you're not going to show up again. 
That's what the remembrance psalms are, are about. They draw attention to God's past acts of redemption and call us to trust him for the future to come. Fifth, we're nearly there, are the wisdom psalms. The wisdom psalms tell us how God wants us to live our lives. They give us principles for the the nitty-gritty details of life. They teach and equip us for for wisdom. You know, wisdom is um, knowing what to do when you don't know what to do. That's what wisdom is. When there's no clear right or wrong, no clear black or white, where you're not really sure what you should do, wisdom enables you to skillfully navigate life that you might make good, wise, healthy decisions. The wisdom psalms draw attention to the conundrums of life and equip us to act wisely. Last, sixth, and very important, as we'll see in a moment, are the praise psalms. Psalms of praise, which are written from a place of of joy and exuberant celebration. These psalms are written when the psalmist is happy, and what he does is pile reason upon reason upon reason of of, of why God is, is worthy of praise. What they do is draw attention to the greatness of God and how great it is to follow him. So, category one, lament. Category six, praise, and everything in between, we're going to see the Psalms equip us to experience the full range of human emotions. Now, when you put these things together, our two themes of law and Messiah and our six genres of lament and thanksgiving and confidence and remembrance and wisdom and praise, we get to our one sentence summary. Two plus six equals one this morning. And here's, here's our one sentence summary. The Psalms equip us to experience the full range of human emotion, that we might be faithful to God's law as we take refuge in Jesus. They equip us to experience the full range of human emotion that we might be faithful to God's law as we take refuge in Jesus. Now, this is a kind of wordy definition, a wordy statement, so let's look at it together. First, the first part the Psalms equip us to experience the full range of human emotions. Across our six genres, we see every emotion that is known to man, known to woman. John Calvin said, I've been wont to call this book, not inappropriately, an anatomy of all parts of the soul. For there is not an emotion of which anyone can be conscious that is not here represented as in a mirror. There is no emotion, no feeling you could ever experience that isn't held up before us in the book of Psalms. Now, it's important for us to wrestle with this because in our day, we see at least two inappropriate responses to emotions. The first one, very common, is to say emotions are everything. And so we're going to live, honestly, a kind of wild, unchecked life following wherever they go and doing whatever they might lead us to do. So if I'm angry, if that's the emotion I'm experiencing, then I'm going to yell at you or I'm going to give you the cold shoulder and you shouldn't really hold me responsible for this because honestly, I'm just being being true to myself as I'm expressing these emotions. We live a wild, unchecked emotional life. The other though, the kind of equal but opposite inappropriate response to emotions is not to think that emotions are everything, but instead to, to live like they're nothing. To be very stoic, 
and slightly cold. To see even the word emotional as, as, as somehow a negative thing. And so what, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to stuff my emotions. If I'm angry, I'm going to remember, well, anger is a sin. And so I'm not going to feel it. And if you're feeling it, you should stop. Not an approach we're going to see in the book, in the book of Psalms. On one hand, it's easy for emotions to be everything. On the other hand, it's possible for the emotions to be seen as nothing. But the Psalms, they're going to show us a better way. They're going to show us a more beautiful way where we do lament, where we do give thanks, where we do experience anger and uncertainty and frustration and betrayal and and grief and joy and enthusiasm and drive and passion and life. That's what the Lord is calling us to. Not to suppress these things, not to let them run wild, but to live into them in a God-honoring way. We can experience the full range of human emotions. I wonder how connected we are to this reality. I wonder this week, maybe because of Wednesday or maybe nothing to do with Wednesday, but what emotions have been on your heart and mind this week? Have you been angry, frustrated, sad? Have you been tired? Have you been joyful? Have you been glad? What, what's been going on in your own heart this week? How do you feel about yourself, about your world, about your God? You know, it's important that we know. Dallas Willard once said something along the lines of that um, so many of us are like ships passing in the night, but even to ourselves. We're like ships passing in the night, even to ourselves. We don't stop take the time to know what's going on, much less with other people, but even in our own hearts, even in our own souls, even in our own minds. We don't take the time to foster and develop the the internal world of the soul. One of my friends sent me this week a a quote that was a, a challenge and an encouragement to me. It says, a leader is a person who must take special responsibility for what's going on inside him or herself, inside his or her consciousness, lest the act of leadership create more harm than good. Isn't that helpful? If you're going to lead people, you better know what's driving you. If you're going to lead people, you better be in tune with, with your own your own drives, your own next steps. And what's true of leaders is true for us all. We all need to know what's going on in our own hearts if we're to make healthy, healthy, wise, godly decisions. That takes us to the next part of our statement. They equip us to experience the full range of human emotions, yes, but not just for emotionalism's sake, that we might be faithful instead to God's law. If we don't know what's going on in our own hearts, then typically we just live life by reacting. And you know, most of us don't have particularly holy reactions. So I'm upset and I'm frustrated about something. And so what do I do? Well, I yell at my kids. None of you do that. I know. It's just me. It's my unique particular sin in the life of this church, right? Or you're feeling insecure and uncertain about something. So you just bury yourself in work. There's yet to be a problem that hard work and just grind us through. Or perhaps you're feeling like disappointed or upset by something. And so you numb that by, by watching Netflix or having another drink. 
See, like our reactions don't typically lead us to the kind of lives that we want. And so we're called to be in tune with what's going on in our hearts and in our souls so that we might be faithful to God's law because the Psalms, as I said, show us a more beautiful way. They don't just tell you that it's okay to be angry. They show you what to do with your anger. They don't just tell you that it's okay to feel uncertainty. They show you what to do with uncertainty and fear. They equip us to to navigate life and live faithfully when things make sense, when things don't make sense, when we're somewhere in between. The Psalms are going to equip us to not just feel our emotions, but to respond to them and live thoughtful, wise, courageous lives where we give glory to God. And as we do that, we get to the third part of our statement. The Psalms are going to equip us to experience the full range of human emotions, not for emotionalism's sake, but so that we might live the kind of life that God has called us to as we take refuge in Jesus. As we take refuge in Jesus, because we know and we remind ourselves and we've said it already and we'll say it again, that flourishing in life is not dependent upon our faithfulness to God, but upon his faithfulness to us in the gospel. And that our hope is not primarily in our ability to live new lives, but in Jesus who has come. And it's only as we take refuge in him and are nourished by his grace and fed by his spirit that the new life is possible. And so we do all this, all this thought and reflection as we take refuge in him, the one who has come, the one who is our hope for this world and the next. And so we are in many ways very like the psalmist. You know, the Psalms were written somewhere between 2500 and 3500 BC, which is a crazy thought. Like, imagine, imagine you wrote a song this afternoon, right? So you go home and you write a song. And then in the year 5,500, people are still singing it. It's, as believers, we've got such a rich heritage to draw from in the scriptures. And as these Psalms are... Are, are written, we actually have, we have more in common with the writers than we sometimes think, because as they were waiting on their Messiah, what are we doing? We're waiting on our Messiah. Not for his arrival, but for his return. We are a people who are seeking to order our lives until he comes to make all things right, taking refuge in him until he comes. There's a beautiful sense in which for the believer in Jesus Christ, um, the best is always yet to come. We have hope as we await Jesus's return. And this theme, I hope will come alive to us in these next few weeks. This theme that the best is, is yet to come because we have hope as we take refuge in Jesus. It really does run throughout the, you know, the entire book. I mentioned earlier that the Psalms have an introduction and a conclusion. Well, the introduction is Psalms 1 and 2. And then the very next Psalm after 1 and 2 is a Psalm of Lament. And as you read through the Psalms, what you'll find is really in the first half, it's Lament Psalms that, that, dominate, that dominate the Psalter. Most of the Psalms are, in the first half are pretty downcast, are pretty discouraged, are pretty depressed. And it's one of the things I really love about the Psalms and particularly love about David. You know, David, King David, who wrote so many of the Psalms, he is more depressed and more delighted than I have ever been, right? <laughs> on his bad days, it's just terrible. And on his good days, I can't imagine it being so good. 
doing justice to the full range of, of human emotions. But what we find in this first section is it's pretty down. It's, 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 pretty, it's pretty dark. And then here's what happens. When you hit the halfway point, there's a turn. And then in the second half of the Psalms, it is not lament Psalms that dominate, but with Psalms of, of praise. So in the first half of the Psalms, mainly lament with a little bit of praising. And the second half of the Psalms, mainly praise with a little bit of, of lamenting. Until we get to the conclusion of the book, which is the book's last five Psalms, all of which begin and end with the word hallelujah. The word that means praise, praise the Lord. That's what, that's what hallelujah means. It means praise the Lord. And so what we have in the Psalter is a story that moves from lament to praise, and that is instructive for the Christian life. Because while we live in the midst of lament, in Christ, our stories end in praise. We are a people who are able to navigate the ups and the downs, but who know that the best is yet to come who know that there are better days ahead because of Christ. And this truth gives us great courage as we wait. I wonder if some of us just need to reflect on that truth a little bit this week. When things are down, when things are dark, we don't have to run from that. We don't have to shy away from that. But we also don't let that control the story. The best is yet to come. Our stories end in praise. Okay, we're done. Two themes, law and Messiah. Six genres, lament, thanksgiving, confidence, remembrance, wisdom, praise. One sentence summary. The Psalms equip us to experience the full range of human emotion, to be fully human, that we might be faithful to God's law, live the lives he has intended for us as we take refuge in Jesus. Our hope in this life and in the next. Next week, we're going to look at the very first track, Psalm 1, and we're going to consider what, what is it the Lord has for us in this season. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for this collection of songs that isn't a random playlist, but is a beautiful story a story that moves from lament into praise, a story that is ours in the gospel, and a story that we pray you would be forming more and more in our, in our own lives, a people who are able to navigate the ups and the downs, the challenges and the difficulties without falling into denial or depression, and yet a people who have an inextinguishable hope because we know that in Christ our stories end in praise. These things we pray in his perfect and matchless name. Amen.